And we're live. Welcome to Called Bank Sports. Um, tonight, the Jazz absolutely dominated a shorthanded Orlando Magic team. You expected them to win this game, even if Orlando had everyone, especially after Orlando sold at the deadline, sending Gordon to Denver and Vucevic to the Bulls. But man, I was not expecting it to be this dominant. And obviously, the I believe Orlando only played eight players tonight. So, I mean, it was just set up for the Jazz to be successful. Let's get to this rundown in a second here. If you guys want to leave a like and a sub to the channel if you haven't yet, we'll get to discussing this awesome Jazz win. So, I've got to be honest. I watched the first half and the first four minutes of the second half pretty diligently. Um, then when Donovan and Joe got pulled, kind of left a bit. And I, I don't know how long my voice is going to stay with me because for anyone who watched the UCLA-Gonzaga game, that that finish was just absolutely amazing. So the biggest thing for the Jazz tonight was breaking the NBA record, hitting 18 of their three-point shots in the first half, which is absolutely bonkers, especially when you look at the team that did that held the record of 17, which was Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and the Golden State Warriors from a few years back. It's an absolute testament to the fact that this Jazz team is by far one of the best three-point shooting teams in NBA history. I, I don't really think there's anything to doubt about that. Right now, they're getting the most shots up every game out of any team in the NBA. Portland might have a slightly higher percentage, but it's really crazy to see the uh, the way the Jazz are pushing the envelope, taking 40-plus three-pointers a night, three a night, virtually guaranteed tonight. I think they had 55, which <coughs> is absolutely bonkers um, that they put up that many. They had 55. They made 26 of those and for 47% from three. It's, I, I really, I totally get that it's class and that Quinn needed to pull, start pulling players in the third quarter. I get it. I get that you can't just leave Donovan and um, Joe and Gobert and Bojan in for the whole game. But man, I would have loved to see the Jazz break the Bucks record with 30 po- three-pointers in a game. I'm really confident that that would have happened. Um, Gaming with Devin said, what a game, a record breaker. Yeah, just something so special about watching this Utah Jazz team. And on a night like tonight, I don't really know how much we can take away that we already that we haven't already discussed because you're playing a magic team who has basically decided to tank the year and like I said earlier they only had eight guys and I believe that was because they have um like a stomach flu going through their team and so that's just what is going to happen here the Jazz are going to win when you look at it you had um leading scorer Donovan Mitchell with 22 points easily would have went for 30 plus tonight had if he been called for had that being called for. You have Bojan Bogdanovic with 17, tied with Joe Ingles with 17. Um, Mike Conley was resting. It was another back-to-back, and I think that after he missed a few games with his hamstring situation, I don't think he's played both games of a back-to-back, which I'm absolutely fine with. I think that Conley's getting up there in years, and you need him to be in his peak condition. And we saw 
what happens when you let Joe take a few games off. He comes back and becomes, honestly, in my opinion, the runner-up to Jordan Clarkson for sixth man of the year. <laughs> He's uh, had an absolutely special year, and it's so incredible to watch just how everything is clicking for the Jazz so far this year. Um, let me let you... Sorry, I'm just kind of scatterbrained. I'm so excited about this. Leave in the chat what you guys, what your guys' take so, uh, takeaways for this game are, and I'll get into those and kind of what games you're excited for coming up. We're head, I believe the Jazz are headed down to Dallas in a couple in a couple days to take on the red hot Luka Doncic, and it's going to be a tough game. It's honestly a game where <laughs> I think you can make the argument it would be best for the Jazz to lose to Dallas so that Dallas has a better chance of overtaking um, the Lakers and pushing them down to the sixth spot so that we are guaranteed not to have to play them until the Western Conference Finals. But I think that that's way too meta. I, I think the Jazz should go out and continue to put up their incredible record, um, continue to push for the best record in the league. 538 right now predicts the Jazz to finish 55 and 17, which is incredible. Now, if you put that into perspective, the Jazz are maybe barely, if you have the whole season, breaking 60 wins. So it's not this incredible um, season. It's really special. 60 wins is always amazing. But it's n- when you look in the grand scheme of NBA history, it's not like they're close to knocking on the door of 73 and 9 if you have the whole year. Um, obviously that's already out of their reach since they have double digit losses. But what's craziest to me is that this year, it doesn't look like any other team is going to hit 50 wins. It looks like you're going to have, um, pretty much the net 76ers and Suns all knocking on the door with about 49 and that the jazz are going to best the whole league with plus six games. That is absolutely insane to me. That went from a record standpoint, the Jazz are not, you know, winning. The Jazz are destroying all other 29 teams. It is something that I don't think anyone saw after the 4-4 start. When Dale and I were just kind of here like, oh, let's let's be calm. The Jazz are going to do good. Like, sometimes they have a slow start. Kind of freaking out, thinking, is this going to be what all 72 games are? And to them now pretty much being a lock for home court advantage for the entire playoffs is absolutely insane. Um, Sawyer Parker says, I wish we had the starters in the whole game. So we broke the three record. Yeah. I said that a bit earlier. I totally agree. It would have been something super special to watch them do that. And I think that they'll have a chance of getting it again before the year's out. But if their defense is playing this well and is the other team going to be putting enough up enough points for the Jazz to stay in? Since that's what you need, is you need um, the other team's offense to be good enough to justify keeping your main guys in. And when Orlando had the dismal game that they had tonight, in part because, you know, the Jazz have one of the best defenses in the league, and also in part because Orlando has no one on their team, more or less right now, it, it just led to the Jazz having possibly their best defensive game of the whole year. It's especially a D out, uh, their best defensive game of the year if you do what I believe cleaning the glass does and don't count blowout minutes. Um, 
Obviously, every Jazz player except for Trent Forrest actually was in the positive. Trent Forrest ended up hitting it right at zero. So thankfully, no one made the negative. Um, And you have Gobert at plus 30, continuing to fight for the best plus minus in the NBA. And who is he fighting with? But none other than Mike Conley. And that just shows why the Jazz are doing so well when it comes to their differential. I believe, let me, um, so the projected point differential per, um, per 538 for the Jazz is going to be plus 9.4, followed by the Suns at plus 6.2. So that's over three points better than the other team. And let's see if I can, um, let me pull the differential from ESPN. So the actual differential, the actual differential right now is the Jazz at plus 10.1. 3.1 points above the Phoenix Suns and not no one's close in the east where Milwaukee's at 6.5. This team is dominant. This team is special. I'm still kind of worried to see what happens when we face the new look Denver Nuggets. We had a couple of we had a close game with them this year and then they blew us out on some magical shooting. I'm concerned to see what happens when we play the Lakers at full strength, which we're not going to get to see until the playoffs. And same with the Nets. There's some unknowns that other than Denver, we're not really going to get a feel out unless the Jazz get into that situation in the playoffs. And that's concerning because it's really nice to have some kind of assemblance and some kind of idea on how to play the team you're playing before you go into the playoffs. And if we end up facing the Lakers or the Nets, and depending on what happens with the Nuggets games... Nuggets game, we're not going to have any idea well, the jazz, of how the Jazz are going to do. And Quinn Snyder is one of the best coaches in the NBA. Adjustments haven't always been his forte. And there's some good reasons why he maybe doesn't adjust quickly during the regular season just to keep player confidence high. But it's going to be a special postseason this year. I am hyped and ready to go. Um, so... Let's see. Sorry, Parker said, did you see the UCLA game? The last minute was so crazy. I did. I forewent most of the second half and watched the UCLA game. Just Jalen Suggs. You're blowing my mind. I saw that shot and I'm like, oh, he could have maybe made it about five feet closer and got a better look, which is super nitpicky. I mean, it was maybe possible, but you've got to pull up for what you've got to get. And to go from... At the end of regulation, where Timmy gets the charge that I thought was going to be a block, absolutely agree with it being called a charge, though. Um, to go from all of a sudden looking like UCLA is going to win it, break um, Gonzaga's perfect record, to the game going to overtime, and then having UCLA again just fight and push and look like they're sending it to a double overtime. And then what is honestly arguably one of the top five NCAA tournament plays of all time. Just apps. Oh my gosh. If you guys haven't seen it, um, definitely after the stream, you guys can dip now, but I'd love if you guys stayed on after the stream, go take a look. That is just something special. And I feel like this March um, and leading into April has been one of the maddest marches I've ever seen. Just the upsets, you know, and Loyola of Chicago, UCLA pushing so far from a play-in game. Um, just so 
incredible where things are going. I, I'm i super excited to see how, uh, Gonzaga Baylor this Monday. I know we've went far away from the Jazz here for a minute, but that game, I was so disappointed that it got postponed due to COVID a few months back. So having that be the game that Gonzaga gets to play in to push for the perfect season for the first one in the last 30, 45 years, just, I'm, I'm super excited. It's going to be a fun game. Um, Gaming with Devin said, oh, I was watching some, but stopped to watch the Jazz. Yeah, definitely. UCLA game. If you're able to go watch just the end of the second half and the whole game was good, but it is definitely one of the most iconic games in NCAA history. It It's going down as just absolutely special. Um, So it was a good comeback by UCLA. Yeah. And Sawyer said, did that help your bracket? So... I don't do brackets. I haven't done one since middle school just because it always ends up being during a really bad time for school for me. And it it might always get blown up so bad that I, it just, I typically don't do them. So we'll see when I graduate, if I'll get back into, if I'll get back into brackets, but that could be three, four years from now. So, well, it'll be a hot minute before I do a bracket more likely than not. Um, so just to take a, another look at the Jazz box score really quick to get back to some Utah. Um, let's see. So we've talked about the box score a lot. If we go to the team stats, we talked about the three-point percentage. Absolutely bonkers. Um, Jazz shockingly only shot 12 three free throws. Um, I think the game was more or less even on free throws. And then the Jazz brought in their second unit. <coughs> and so that... I'm not really worried about the number of fouls the Jazz have just because of how many of them came from players coming off the bench. And obviously they're not going to be as good as the players who have played the whole game for Orlando. Uh, Jazz destroyed on the rebounding battle plus 11. They had 50 and assists. Jazz got 34 steals. Jazz got 10. So if you want a $1 RB sandwich, get that tomorrow. I keep doing that whenever the Jazz get eight or more steals. So not sponsored, but I do love Arby's. Um, Turnover battle was 11-11, so nothing special there. And overall, we can look at the stats, but this game was really just an eye test for how good the Jazz are. So if you guys have any comments on anything NCAA, if you want to keep going down that road or the Jazz, we'll keep going. Um, We'll keep the stream going as long as we can, but... Hey, thank you guys so much for joining in and thank you so much. Leave a like if you haven't and I'll get to the chat. Um, I feel like Donovan is getting into Curry Lillard range. He did have some of those shots um, tonight. And if he's able to extend that and if he's able to hit the 30 footers, Donovan's going to get an MVP in his career. I know that he's going to have to contend with players like Trey Young, who I think and Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson and Luka Doncic. But there's just no way in my mind that Donovan, if he's able to get that range and get to the point where the Jazz are competing for the one seed. And one of these years, in the next couple of years, um, if you kind of compare Donovan Mitchell's to Dwayne Wade's career trajectory, you're going to see a year where Donovan gets up to close to 30 points a game on average. 
And I know the Jazz play offense a bit differently, but I do think in the next three, four years, he'll have that, that one magical season. And I think we could be seeing Donovan Mitchell with some MVP um, hardware. And I do have a really hard time giving that to him because I do think that at least right now, Gobert is definitely the most valuable player on the Jazz. But I don't think you're ever going to see a player with the limited offense ability of like traditional statistics and the fact that Gobert doesn't create for himself winning the MVP in today's day and age. So that's my hot take. Donovan will win the MVP if a jazz man ever wins the MVP in the next decade. But I do think that even if he does that, that year more likely than not Gobert is going to have earned the defensive player of the year award. If they don't want him to, you know, get his sixth or seventh, then maybe he won't. And I, Definitely get that it's hard to vote for the same player again and again, but they're both just that special. I am so glad that the Jazz have locked them each in for the next four or five years, and it'll be crazy to see, depending on how this NBA salary cap increases with the new TV deal, how much money they're each going to be making at the end of their, um, when the Jazz re-signed them, but holy Hannah, it has definitely been just an, a, a special year for the Utah Jazz and to go from losing Gordon Hayward to looking like it's going to be a rebuild to four years down the line. We're talking about a championship and we're talking about finals and finishing with the best record in the league. Apps just so special. Um, so special. And I can't say that enough. So gaming with Devin said so many lead change. <laughs> yeah. in the UCLA game, so many lead changes. So many lead changes. I This upcoming Monday is going to be a special day for college basketball here. So, hey, if you're just joining us, please leave a like. We've been kind of bouncing back and forth between Utah Jazz and um, Gonzaga-UCLA discussion. So, um, we're, we're wrapping up if people aren't going to keep the chat going. But just, again, thank thanks everyone for all the growth, growth for this channel. Um, and just staying with Dale and I, this staying with Dale and me, I'll get my grammar right on that one, um, for this season. And we're super excited for the future and where this is going to go. So thanks again. Um, Sawyer says I was at the jazz game yesterday and I was talking to a security guard and he said, Derek favors is shy. Oh, that's, that's funny. That's, that just kind of seems, I wouldn't have guessed that, but it does kind of seem to meet with who Derek is, but it's, it's a special year. And of all, and let me know in the comments, if you're watching this recorded or, um, in the live chat, who is the jazz player that you'd want to be on this team that isn't on this team? Because Derek favors put in so many years with the jazz. And if they were having this season without him, like you would, it would be kind of sad to not have him here. So having him here this season and having him be able to reap the benefits of all of the years he put in with this team is something so special for me to get to watch him have. And I'm sure it's special for him. I do have my answer. Um, I'll take a look at the comments really quick. Um, so no one's, no one's hopped in the comments live yet. But my, the other guy I think would be Kyle Korver. And obviously I wouldn't want him on the team this year. I don't think he'd mesh. And he definitely is a special player in the league. But... 
Kyle Korver is the other player that when I think Utah Jazz basketball and I think my childhood, like he's the one that I'd want to see on this team right now. So just like how he ended up leaving the team when the Jazz decided to go straight rebuild and then he came back and then he got traded to get Mike Conley. Like it would be, he's definitely the player in my opinion right now who is going to be the one who helped the Jazz get here the most, who I feel like I want to give a bunch of credibility. You could make an argument that Gordon Hayward propelled the Jazz a lot more than him, but just with kind of how he left and stuff, I'm not really disappointed that he's not here and that he's not reaping these benefits. Um, AK-47 from Felipe. Hey, that's a good pick. That's a that's a that's a elementary school days pick, but that's a good day. That's a good pick. I would definitely love to see AK get some credit for that. Um, I loved Corver, Rubio, and Crowder. Okay, I did forget Rubio and Crowder. Those are definitely a couple players that did really help out. And bringing Mike Conley, that sacrifice of trading them was definitely worth it. And we've seen that this year more than beginning of last season. I, and I do. Definitely miss those guys. And all, all, along with that list, I definitely miss Haul Neto too. Um, just all of those guys were just really fun guys and really epitomized who the Utah Jazz are as a team. So thank you everyone for tuning in. It looks like the chat's kind of dying down and I'm going <laughs> to get some sleep tonight and hopefully get some homework done tomorrow. But we will see you after the next Jazz game, um, which I believe is Monday in Dallas. So join us for that game and thank you everyone for tuning in and go Utah.